Our passage today is from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Hear the word of God. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them some uh, the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. May God add his blessing on the reading of his word, and may God bless our conversation together. Amen. Well, this Sunday, uh, September 13th, marks the uh, six-month point in our journey through our pandemic. It was six months ago that we, as a church, began uh, putting our worship services online. And then toward the end of June, we began to meet on-site, but with great social distancing protocols put into place. You know, I I was thinking about some of the other changes in our lives that have happened over the past six months. I know for Vicki and myself, we've moved a a good portion of our purchasing online. In fact, we have been using Amazon.com quite a bit. When I looked at my Amazon orders, I noticed that uh, of the things that I bought in the past six months, I bought a webcam. Well, you can understand why that would be important uh, just with the ministry taking place online right now. We also bought some outdoor lights. It seems that people on, on our street have been putting a lot more time on how their houses look outside. I guess that's because we've been staying home more. There was also a purchase for a six-pack of antiperspirant. Well, that's just for making sure your marriage works well. And then we bought some cheese slicers. I don't know really what that means, but we bought them. You know, one of the things I like about buying things on Amazon.com is that at the bottom of each uh, item, when, when you see it on the webpage, uh, are there, there are these reviews, and you can sort through the reviews to see if it's a good purchase. And people who review can give an item one star, that's the lowest, all the way up to five stars, and that's the best. When I read reviews, I really don't pay attention too much when people give a one star and if the reason is simply that, well, the product showed up damaged 
I figure that has more to do with the carrier than the product itself. But I do look for uh, the times where there's one or two stars given and somebody says, well, it broke shortly after we began using it. Or it never lived up uh, to its intended purposes, its, uh, its provided description. When I find that um, some item doesn't hit on those issues, it's not the item I want to purchase. And by the way, it becomes so important because there's so many knockoff brands of items that are available for purchase. Well, it's interesting because the passage that we have before us is like James' review on something that is integral to the Christian experience. In fact, something that is at the center of the Christian experience. He's giving us a review on faith. And just to underscore the centrality of faith to the Christian experience, we could turn to a whole bunch of different passages, but one that you've probably heard before, uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, would not die, but have eternal life. That phrase, whoever believes in him, it's the word for faith. Whoever has faith in him. So do you get it? That, that at the center of the Christian experience, a, a hinge point would be this thing of faith that God accomplishes it all through Jesus Christ that his death on the cross accomplished something we could not accomplish on our own and that we receive that gift through faith. We also have it in Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 28. Uh, Paul writes, he, he writes, uh, for we hold that a person is justified by faith and not by works of the law. A person is justified by faith. Paul is saying that a person comes into a right relationship with God through faith, with faith being so integral. We want to make sure that we're not settling for knock-off brands, brands that don't work. You know, at the end of each of the Amazon reviews, uh, Amazon provides a button for you to click, a digital button where you can say that the review was helpful, that you found the review to be helpful. Whether you happen to be a Christian or a non-Christian, I think that we'll all find this particular passage of James helpful, clarifying. And I think for a number of reasons, um, because if we have the wrong kind of faith, there are real consequences to pay. If we have the wrong kind of faith, the faith that doesn't work, well, we are going to miss out on God now. The wrong kind of faith, if faith is the thing that connects us in this dynamic relationship with God, and we have the wrong kind of faith, we're going to miss out on who God is right now. We'll also uh, uh, miss out on eternal life. If, if eternal life that whoever believes in Jesus, whoever has faith in Jesus, does not perish but has eternal life. If eternal life is dependent upon faith, having the right kind of faith matters. So those two are kind of first, they're selfish reasons, right? That we would miss out on God now and we'd miss out on eternal life. But there's also a hurtful consequence to others. 
You see, if, if we have the wrong kind of faith, we risk misrepresenting God to the world around us. If we identify as Christian, but we have the wrong kind of faith, then the rest of the world's looking at us and they're associating Christianity with the kind of faith that we've chosen. And if we have the wrong kind of faith, and maybe this is the worst of all, that the most catastrophic is that we misjudge God. You see, God is uh, worth knowing. And, and, and maybe you've had the experience of being misjudged before yourself. You know, when somebody pigeonholes you or takes one attribute of who you are and uh, overplays it or, or just doesn't know you at all and, and assumes that they know you. And, well, when they misjudge you, they don't get to experience the full you. They don't get the pleasure of knowing the best of you. And if we misjudge God, we miss out on knowing God as God is, as God has revealed himself to be. And God is more fierce and more loving than we could ever imagine. God is more demanding and more forgiving than we could ever think of. And knowing God, believing in God, having faith in God is better than anything else in this world. All right, so if that's the passage before us, uh, we can be thankful to James for providing it as he points out the right kind of faith and the wrong kind of faith, the knockoff brands. His basic point is this, faith that doesn't work doesn't work. Faith that doesn't turn into action won't provide the benefits that God promises. Faith that doesn't work, faith that doesn't move us into action, into the actions that resonate with God's heart, it doesn't work for all the gifts that God promises. And he provides three arguments in support of his case. And we're going to call those our arguments. Argument number one, we'll call it, what good is that? Argument number two, we'll call it the demon argument. And argument number three, we'll call Old Testament history for the win. Let's take argument number one then. What good is that? This comes to us from verses 14 through 17. Verse 14 reads, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? The way that James asks the questions, he sets up the answers. These are rhetorical questions, and, and he's saying absolutely not. This kind of faith cannot save him. And he gives this little bit of an example. He says that, you know, like if a person comes to you and they have just rags on and they're starving, and if the person that they come to says these, says these words, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? You know, our own modern-day version of this is to say our thoughts and prayers are with you. If we have power to do something about a situation, if we have the power to make a difference, and all we say is our thoughts and prayers go out to you, what good is that? James is underscoring that faith without works isn't good for anything. It's not the appropriate response. And so he says in verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's lifeless. It doesn't work. Then he moves on to the second argument, what we call the demon argument. And he creates this fictional person that he can have it 
conversation with, just to help us understand what's going on. He says in verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. What's interesting about this fictional someone is that they're separating uh, uh, faith from works. In other words, they're describing a different kind of faith. It's interesting because in the whole of the text that we read, the word work comes up a bunch. But James isn't really teaching about the kinds of works. He's teaching about the kinds of faith. And and he's saying that this person says, you know, faith, there's a kind of faith that's apart from works. And so James's response to him, him, we find this in, in the second half of verse 18. Show me your faith apart from your works, which he's saying you, you can't do. Show me a f- your faith from apart, apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So he's saying this knockoff faith that people are purchasing, that they're buying into, just really doesn't even exist. It does not work. You know, in our culture, we have, I think, um, in the church culture, I mean, uh, we have developed this fictional kind of faith into an art form. In fact, we've, we've come up with ver- various variations of this fictional faith. I think one of them we could call handyman faith. This is where we see God as a supernatural fix-it man. And so we like God and we'll turn to God, but only when life is um, just not working right. If the pipes are banging or, or the stress is too high or, or things just aren't going right, we'll call out to God and we have handyman faith. But it doesn't translate into action every day that represents the heart of God. I think another kind of fictional faith is uh, inherited faith or coattail faith. This would be the kind of faith where we say, well, I'm a Christian because my parents were Christian or my grandparents were Christian. We think that we'll just come in under the coattails. That we're not some other kind of faith. We're not atheist or we're not uh, uh, Buddhist or Muslim or something else, but we're just, we have inherited faith. But it doesn't turn into action, everyday action that represents the love of Christ. Another kind of uh, knockoff or fictional faith uh, would be TED Talk faith. TED Talk faith is the kind of faith where we get really excited about knowing everything. You've heard of TED Talks before. They're available online and people uh, give these presentations on all kinds of different topics and it's a great way to learn. And maybe people get all excited about learning more about Jesus and, and, and learning more about the Bible, but it doesn't translate into everyday action that become manifestations of God's goodness and grace. I think there's also uh, that knockoff faith that we might call fraternity or sorority faith. This is the kind of faith where we like being together and we like having parties together as the church. And we might, be, we might do some philanthropic work from time to time. But it's not based on a faith in a living God that, that translate into everyday action, the way we treat everybody and, and, and lean into the very character of God. One more. I think that another kind of knockoff faith, this fictional faith, the faith that doesn't work, is the ticket to heaven faith. You know where we say, sure, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus that's going to get me into heaven. But then we go about living our lives according to our own values, our own ways, 
faith in God doesn't translate into representing his love in this world. Well, here's what James has to say about the kind of faith, this, this fake faith. In verse 19, he says, you believe that God is one. In other words, he's affirming them. Great, you know good theology. In all those other cases, okay, great, you know the name of Jesus. You know the name of God. You know the word faith. Listen, even the demons know God is one. And they shudder. They know it's consequential. He's calling us out. Get the real faith. Buy into the real faith. Well, then he um, uh, provides a third argument. This is, we're calling it Old Testament history for the win. And this comes to us from verses 20 through 26. In verse 20, he says, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And then he gives a story from Abraham's life. If you don't know the story of Abraham, he's, he's the, really the father of the faith. There's uh, an individual back in the book of Genesis that God called out and said, go to the place I'm going to show you and I'm going to make you into just a, a great people and all the people of the whole earth are going to be blessed through you. Uh, Abraham was a consequential individual. Well, in Genesis 22, there's this story where Abraham brings his only son, Isaac to be sacrificed to God. God had said, I want, you to, I, I want you to take Isaac, I want you to give him to me as a sacrifice. Now Isaac represented the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham. There was no other heir. Um, how would the family continue without Isaac? And yet Abraham was faithful to God in bringing Isaac out. Now God, of course, stayed his hand and provided a different sacrifice for Abraham to use. But what evidence, what an amazing piece of evidence to the faith that Abraham had. And then James, well, James references back. In fact, in verse 22 we read, um, you see that faith was active along with Abraham's works, and faith was completed by his works. You see, the right kind of faith is completed, it's connected to... By the way, he's not saying faith and works is what God requires, but faith that works. Faith is completed in works. It's brought to maturity in the works. Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, and here he quotes from Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. I love this. James points back to the faith being accredited to him as righteousness because it was the kind of faith that moved into action, that was completed by action. Okay, so if that's the story of Abraham, then he gives another Old Testament example, and this time it's Rahab. And if Abraham is kind of the pinnacle of, of, the, uh, of the Jewish experience, of the Hebrew experience, this is the Old Testament uh, person to turn to. Rahab would be at the other end of the scale. Rahab is the story from the other side of the tracks. It's, she was a prostitute in Jericho. But she had heard of God, and, and this is after the time of Moses. So as, the, as God's people were coming into the promised land, they had to uh, take over Jericho. And, and, and Rahab, well, she provided for the well-being of, of the Hebrew spies. And, and 
James brings that story out. And in doing so, he really kind of bookends it. He says, listen, you know the story of Abraham and you know the story of Rahab. By the way, both of them appear in the Hall of Faith, the Hall of Fame of Faith in uh, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. But James is saying that if these are the bookends, every situation in between where faith turns into action, faith is completed in action, underscores the kind of faith that God desires of, of us. Now, in between these two Old Testament stories, we find verse 24. In verse 24, it says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, if you've been tracking with what we've been talking about, you're probably saying, well, how does that go along with what we read in Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 28, where Paul says, for we hold that a person is justified by faith and not by works of the law. Well, here again, it, it goes to that James is talking about faith in our passage. He's talking about the right kind of faith, the faith that is completed in works. You know, if you're having a problem with this, please, you're in good company because Martin Luther, the great reformer, had a huge problem with James. But Martin Luther was wrong. <laughs> And it's not just that I say that. Scholars since his time have, have shown that really um, James is talking about faith. In fact, get this. This, comes, this is a quote from the introduction to uh, Martin Luther's commentary on Romans. Listen to what um, Martin Luther had to say about faith, about biblical faith. He said, faith is a work of God in us which changes us and brings us to birth a new from God, to new birth, to rebirth. It kills the old Adam, the broken, sinful person. It kills the old Adam, makes us completely different people in heart, mind, senses, and all our powers, and brings the Holy Spirit with us. What a living, creative, active, powerful thing is faith. It is impossible that faith ever stop doing good. Do you get the picture? He has the same picture of faith that James does. Faith doesn't ask whether good works are to be done, but before it is asked, it does them. It is always active. Whoever doesn't do such works is without faith. He gropes and searches about him for faith and good works, but doesn't know what faith or good works are. Even so, he chatters on with a great many words about faith and works. Martin Luther and James were kindred spirits when it came, uh, when it comes to the idea of what faith is. And so James gives us the threefold argument. What good is it? What good is that if we have a faith that doesn't turn into works every day, a faith that comes with works, a faith that works you see, even the demons, the demons, they know the difference. And the Old Testament stories are just numerous in terms of believing in God and letting that belief turn into action. All right, so you've read James's review of knockoff faiths, faiths that don't work. Well, they just don't work. Faiths that don't turn into everyday action they don't work. So we have a choice before us. 
Which kind of faith are we going to buy into? My encouragement to you today is to reflect upon your own faith in God. Is it a faith that turns into daily representing his love toward others? Is it a faith that turns into works that reveal his goodness in this world every single day? Or or is it a faith on your terms? Let's choose the faith that works because it works. Amen.